Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. It came to pass in the month of Sheslev, in the twelfth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem, verse 3. And they said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Go to the sixth chapter of that same book, the book of Nehemiah, a family favorite of the McCalls and Brackens, a family favorite of ours. Nehemiah chapter chapter 6, find the 15th verse, please. The big numbers, I had somebody ask me this, um, can you tell me, what are the big numbers and then the small numbers next to the sentences? And I realized, whoa, uh, sometimes we just think people know stuff. If you don't know where to find a book, now the whole thing is a book, but within the book, in fact, Bible means the book, Within the book are separate books. In fact, 66 different ones. And Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. If you have the Bible that I have, it's on page 612. But the odds of you having the Bible I have are very small. But you can look in the index. It's just like a a book that you would read or a, a, a textbook. You look in the index and you can find Nehemiah, then you can find it. So the large numbers throughout the whole book, throughout the whole Bible, no matter what section of the 66 different books that you're in, the large number is the chapter. And then the the smaller numbers are called verses. In the original language, those aren't in there. It's just written like you would write a, a, you know, a a letter. But it helps us to find our way. So when I say chapter 6, I don't, you know, I'm not saying I'm go to the 50th um, paragraph and count down, you know, we could just go to six. You find a six, six chapter and, and go down. Oh, hopefully that helps someone. Uh, verse 15, the 15th verse, chapter six, Nehemiah, verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Eul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. Father, thank you for this ancient text that touches my heart every time I read it and study it. I'm I'm impacted. And God, I thank you that you're raising up Nehemiahs. I thank you that you're raising up a people that know how to battle, families that know how to battle, and take back the land that was taken by the enemy and to restore and rebuild the walls of our lives, to rebuild the walls of this nation. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and give us living understanding, 
Jesus, as you walked with those on the road to Emmaus, you opened their hearts and you opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I pray that you would do that now in every heart, in every person, in every child, in every person, everyone that hears this message now and in the future, online and here in the sanctuary. May we be transformed by the truth of your word. It does not return void. So come on, God. Do what you do. We won't stop you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm reminded of when we, and I'm going to share this so that it releases faith to you. I'm reminded that when we started Primrose 11 years ago, Primrose, we opened Primrose. And we opened it because my mother, I was talking to her, and she was saying to me, you know, these, these people, these elderly people in nursing home, quote, they have one foot in the world and one foot on a banana peel. And at any moment they could pass, and most of them don't know Jesus. They don't know the Lord, son. And she, I could point to you, I could show you the spot in the road, Mom. And the Lord said, you're getting into those. And I, and I just started praying. Tammy Lanaville got a job for 30 days at Primrose when they first opened. And she was there and she did some of the cleaning and she had influence and met the person that was over the whole thing and said, you know, would you, my pastor would love to meet you. Can we do a church service here? And so I was invited in. I sat down, I'll never forget, sitting in the office, talking with them. And as we talked... Everything's looking good. It looks like the door's going to open. We're going to start a church in Primrose and do services there. And, and they, they, they say to me, um, no, you're, you're, you're King's Chapel, right? I said, yes. And I perceived something else going on. And they said, um, I don't know quite how to say this, but... Um, you know, we've heard about your church, and we're glad you're here. I said, I just put my hand on I said, we're Pentecostal. She said, I know. I said, okay, so you, you don't want us to swing from the chandeliers. Is that what you're about to say? She says, yes. Yes. Can you, can you just, we have Baptists, we have Catholics, we have Presbyterians, we have Methodists, we've got Pentecost, we've got all kinds of people here, and we have people that don't know the Lord. Can you, can you just, can you just teach them and love on them and pray for them? I said, sure. So that first service, and the reason I'm sharing this is because I'm not going to come running over the pews and spit all over you tonight. The reason I'm sharing this is because even though I'm not going to come lay hands on you, I am telling you where my faith is at. He can lay his hand on you himself, and he can touch you and heal you and help you and strengthen you and release his power through you. When Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell, and they all began to pray in tongues. It's a supernatural event that took place. He didn't lay hands on anybody. Now, the laying on of hands, we believe, and it's a biblical thing, but in honor of the, of the CDC and the Alaska uh, strongly suggested guidelines. We're not going to do that, but it doesn't mean that God can't. It doesn't mean that God can't move. And I want to tell you that I went into that service, I went into that service, and I was as Baptist and calm. I mean, some Baptists aren't calm. Isn't that right, Pastor French? Okay. I was, as I tried to be as calm and teachery, do you know what I'm talking about? 
didn't raise my voice. Good morning, everybody. We're so glad you're here. Would you kindly turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1? I, I mean, like, I really just tried to make it plain. And about three quarters of the way through, and, and, my, and I have pictures, there was only five people there, maybe. And I think three of them, maybe two of them was like Tammy Lanaville, myself, and I think there was one other person and so I think maybe there were six. I have to go look at the pictures. This couple starts weeping. I'm like, oh, I have nothing to do with that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I didn't even say hallelujah. I didn't risk my hand. I mean, like, totally calm. They start weeping, and the presence of God falls on them like a warm electric blanket. And they're weeping and crying, getting... Those people are in heaven now. They're not alive anymore. They've gone. And we've had a service there for 11 years where the power of God falls and we don't swing on chandeliers, but we do in the spirit. Come on, somebody say that. So God can touch you today. Come on, lift your hands. I've got a great word to preach to you. Holy Spirit, come. Make yourself real. Make Jesus real to these amazing people. Holy Spirit, mark us. In Jesus' name, all right. God has a plan for you, and his plan is not for you to just wave a white flag and ride on into the sunset and hope that it all ends soon. I heard this brother say to me, you know, I'm not in very good shape, and uh, I was going to start working out, but I wanted to make sure the world didn't end before I put any effort into it. <laughs> Listen, the world is going to end. There is going to come an end. But the way in which you live now will determine much the impact in the earth and will determine even the rewards and that which takes place later on. There's, come on, I'm living for another age. And this, this Nehemiah is a beautiful book of revival, a beautiful book of healing and reconciliation and prayer and agreement. There's so much in this. And I felt that the Lord would tell you tonight that he desires for you to be an agent of change. Come on, come on, raise your right hand and say, I'm going to be an agent of change. Say it. I'm going to be an agent of, I can't hear you. I'm going to be an agent of, come on, I'm going to be an agent of change for the good. I know there's some people that are agents of change for evil. Nehemiah was a man, right in your notes now, who embraced a vision and changed his world. We're reading about him. I saw, I saw the broad, it's called the broad wall. I saw the broad wall of Nehemiah when I was in Jerusalem. And I sat there and I looked at it. And I thought all about those stones. I stared at the stones and was able to look, you look at it and touch it and just go, that's the wall of Nehemiah. It's like, whoa. Man, what he overcame to build that wall. And it's still there as a testament of the power of God at overcoming, overcoming darkness and evil. The year at the writing here is 445 B.C. He is, if you read this, and I would, it doesn't, won't take you long. Read the whole book later. He's a cupbearer to the king. He's a cupbearer to the king. He had wealth. He had fame. And a cupbearer, well, he's probably a eunuch. That was probably the bad part. But he had amazing favor. He had amazing favor, and uh, his, 
his brother, a relative, Hanani, visited him, and in the course of their meeting, he asked him, he's concerned, hey, 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 how's everything back home? But understand what's happening. He's, he's away from Jerusalem, away from Israel. He's, he's a servant, a cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer would do? A cupbearer would be like when the wine came, the drink came, he would test it for the king to make sure there's no poison. They'd watch him. Nehemiah is still alive. I guess I can drink that then. So then he would drink it. And it's a cupbearer. It's a wonderful position. But he would be right there next to the king's side. And uh, he hears about the condition of Jerusalem. And it, it, these words, I don't, I don't think we can understand. Maybe you can if you've, if you've really seen some destruction and war. You've seen things that have really been broken down and destroyed. He's so moved by the bad report that he just goes into prayer. Nehemiah, as he goes into prayer, receives a vision and when I say vision, not an open, there's lots of different kinds of visions. Come on, Paul in the New Testament had a vision of the Macedonian man bidding him to come. And, and from that vision determined that the Lord was leading him and he followed the Lord and he, and he went there, down, bound to Macedonia for the Macedonian, it's called the Macedonian, called the Macedonian vision. That's how he got direction. It was an open vision. Vision can come like an open vision but vision can also come from a burden in your heart. Dr. Morocco calls it a hope vision. See, I have a hope. You know what my hope is? My hope is that America would turn from evil back to God. I have a hope. I have a hope that God would, by his power, set our nation on fire, that every church down every gravel road, mega churches included, would be endued, imbibed with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that the gospel would be preached with signs and wonders, the whole gospel, the full gospel, and people would be healed, and families would be healed, and marriages would be restored, and kids would be raised in godly homes. I have a dream. I have a hope in my heart for revival, and I God has placed me in the great state of Alaska, in the great Northland, to be a carrier of that. But it's not just me. It's my whole team. It's you. It's your mama. It's your daddy. It's all who would call upon the Lord. They'll be saved. He's bringing sons from afar and daughters from the ends of the earth. He's bringing a revival, and he's raising up Nehemiahs. He's raising up families. So Nehemiah is troubled because he saw a need. This is 140 years. Let me see, 71 years, pardon me, 71 years after the temple had been rebuilt. So the temple's rebuilt, but there's no wall. And it's a great disgrace. I don't think we can imagine what that's like. There, there's no wall. He saw the need. And the need is his brothers, the Jews, there's no place of safety. In, the, in ancient times, Write in your notes, no place of safety. In ancient times, if there was no wall around the city, then marauders could come in and take stuff and rob, steal, kill, pillage. There was no place of safety. And the, dis, the, the disrepair, uh, in fact, if you look at verse 1, uh, pardon me, verse 3, he said the survivors are there in captivity in the province, or they're in great distress and Reproach. The word is reproach. Now, reproach is dishonor. 
So literally, because the walls were broken down and things weren't repaired, it's something that dishonored God. And that's why it says reproach. Did you know how God is put on display brings honor to him? How many of you know you can honor God by your actions and by your words and by your deeds, or you can dishonor him? And I have done both. I, I long and have set my heart on course to honor him all of my life. And that is a lifetime task. How many of you want to honor God? I want to honor God with my body, with my finances, with my, with my words, with my deeds, with my life. I'm sowing my life into the vision of rebuilding the walls of America. I'm sowing my life into rebuilding the walls of families and teaching people and equipping people. The walls of our nation have been broken down. The walls represent protection, represent the Word of God, represents lots of things. So you're talking about Trump's wall? Well, it's a good picture. We can't just have let anybody bring heroin across the borders and, and do all kinds of nonsense. Come on, have you? Listen, you want to know what it is to live in a city without walls? Take your front door off today and just put, the, put it next to, your, next to the front there. You know, take, the, take it off the hinges. Would you live in a house that has no hinge, no door? It'd be cold. Well, you could put plastic or something. You could put a piece of plywood how many of you know there's people that want to break, not into my house, they'd be disemboweled when they came on my street. They'd be like, and they'd fall out. And then, why? Because I'm a tither, that's why. I rebuke the devourer. Come on, somebody say amen. It had no safety for the Jews. So disrepair of the wall dishonored God. You understand, it's, it's, it's a wall is a serious thing. It's not like your picket fence. It's not like, it's not like a fence. Very different. It's something that cities had to have. And without it, it meant that you're just, well, especially for them, it was a dishonor to God. And God's will of restoration and redemption had been thwarted. God's plan was to, yes, rebuild the temple, absolutely, but it was to also rebuild the walls. And it was to restore that city by the decree of Cyrus. Chapter 45 in Isaiah and following. And he chose to be an agent of change. He chose to be an agent of change. You know, I had to repent recently because I, I went to Walmart, which I, I don't go to Walmart. I didn't repent for going to Walmart. But when I went to Walmart, <laughs> when I went to Walmart, oh, it is one of my least favorite places in all the valley to go. And why is that? Because it bothers me so intensely that I have a hard time actually doing, getting what I need to get. I mean, I literally, I avoid it. I don't go to Walmart. Now, that might not be the case for you, but it's the case for me. And I definitely don't go to Walmart around 11 o'clock p.m. Maybe I should. Why, don't, why does it bother you? It's because everywhere I look, I see broken, shattered lives on crack, on meth, on drugs. I see broken, shattered lives. People walking around in their pajamas in Walmart with their scooped out eyes. They look like vampires. I, the discernment starts going on off. I see violence. I see abuse. I see, I see perversion. I see all kinds of stuff. I'm like, ah, get me out of here. The walls of these homes have been destroyed. And so I went at 8 in the morning, 8 something in the morning after morning prayer, and there was like no one there. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Walked around, there's workers like, hey. I thought, wow. 
The zombie apocalypse is on pause. And I thought, you're here to turn the zombie apocalypse around. What are you saying? I sent you here to be the cure. I sent you here to rebuild the walls of people's lives. Come on, we're not here to avoid it. One of the reasons there is a zombie apocalypse is because the church got trapped inside four walls and stopped witnessing, stopped sharing, stopped teaching, stopped preaching, stopped demonstrating. They, they stopped sharing their faith to their next-door neighbor and just hope, well, if I could just keep my baby safe. Come on, come on. I'm, if I could just keep my babies and my wife safe, everything will be okay. <clears throat> Wrong, because soon it invades the whole culture. We need to invade the culture now and rebuild the walls of, of, the, of, the, of America, of the family, of marriages. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Can you say a better amen? He chose to be an agent of change. He had a, his heart broke. He had, a, he had a burden, and that is one of the ways, and we've preached on vision. There's a literal vision, but then there's a hope vision. Like in your heart, you have a hope, a, a, a desire, a, a burden is another way of saying that. Realizing that God has put his finger on you, called you. John 15, chose you. He chose us. The foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amazing that God chose me to help you bear your burden. God, God chose me to, to bring healing to the sick. How will they know unless a preacher is sent? How will they know unless someone tells them? 1 Timothy 4.12, let no man despise your youth. But be an example. Be a what? An example in word, in conversation, in charity, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be an example. Literally, by the way that you live, when people look at you, they could go, look at the joy. Look at the purity. Look at the, wow, what does he have? Look at that man, that shining, beautiful black head and his amazing wife. And they look at Brother Toby and they're like, wow, there must be a God. Then that's how you're supposed to live. That's how I'm supposed That's how we're all supposed to live. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Come on, you're made to shine. Come on, someone say, I'm made to shine. I'm made, my marriage is made to shine. My kids are made to shine. Like the shining off of my freshly shaved bald head. You're made to shine. You're supposed to know God and hold his word out and shine like stars in the firmament. That's how we're supposed to be. Not dull, not hiding behind the four walls of apathy, but filled with faith and power to teach people how to walk with the Lord and be healed. And, and Nehemiah's burden, because it brought reproach, and he knew that his, his family, his relatives, how many of you got a lot of cousins? They're all in trouble. There's no wall. There's no front door. So they're, they're, they're subject to anybody who want to run in and, and whoop up on him. And it grieved him so bad, and he began to pray. He prayed. It's a beautiful prayer, that you, and you can go and read it. And it's a prayer that you can actually model it's identificational repentance. Now, I've heard, I've heard people say, well, it wasn't my sin. I didn't do it, so I don't need to repent for that. Oh, zip it. It's good to repent. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's good to repent for the sins of your forefathers. 
he prayed. He identified why there was a need at all. Now, we didn't read this, but look at verse 7. We acted very wickedly towards you. Now, he's including himself, so I guess he acted wickedly too. We acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. He repents. He repents. And he, he identifies with the problem. We were brought into captivity because they're all sinners that didn't obey your word. This is a spanking. He claimed God's promise of redemption and healing. Now, you, you look at verse 8. Now, again, we didn't read this, but it's, it's right here. He claimed God's promise of redemption. Right in your notes, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, verse 8 of chapter 1, saying, if you are faithful, if you are unfaithful, pardon me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are an exiled people, he's quoting Scripture. This is what he's doing. You can cross forever. I'm going to got a Thompson chain reference. You can start looking and see that he's actually quoting Scripture. Somebody's discipled him. He repents and he prays this prayer. You said, if we repent, God, you'd bring us back from, how many of you got, don't you have to raise your hand, but some of your family's exiled because it didn't go well in your home or maybe they made choices. You can repent, you can pray, and your babies, your family, your husband, your wife can come home. Or there can at least be peace and restoration. America needs to turn back to God. He goes on to say, I'll gather you from there and bring you to the place I've chosen for the dwelling of my name, verse 10. There are servants among your people whom you redeemed by your great strength, by your mighty hand. He prayed for success. Look at verse 11. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer. Your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. I love that. They delight in revering your name. Is there anybody here who delights to revere his name? So many promises to those who would do that. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Now, let me show you something. I've studied this book. My mom first taught me this book. Hey, it was like, it's like honor and pick of my mom night. But it was a book when I first came to Jesus. It was one you were meditating on and praying about. I mean, I mean, that's what I remember. I've never seen this, what I'm about to teach you. I've never, maybe you have, I've never seen this. Look at chapter one, very simply, right? What's the date? I don't know, Sheslev? What is that? It's the third month of the year. Okay, so January, February, March. It's like March. It's the Hebrew calendar. So I'm just trying to make a point here. It's the third month. It's the what? Third month of the Hebrew calendar, right? So he prays and he fasts. And it says he does it for many days. Okay, for I was a cupbearer of the king. You see the final verse of verse, verse chapter one, final verse? I was a cupbearer of the, okay. Look at chapter two. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 12th year. Now, it says the 12th year up there, but it's a different month. It's a different month. I would say it's a different month. Okay, 12th year, 12th year. You see that? If you don't talk back, I'm going to close in prayer. Do you see the 12th month? I'm trying to teach you something. Verse 1, it was Sheslev, right, the month of Sheslev in the 12th year, right? That's the third month. Sheslev is the third month in the Hebrew calendar. Chapter 2, so he prays, 
Nothing happens. He repents. He prays. Remember, bring us back. Exile. Oh, God. Oh, God. We repent. You said you'd do it. So it's just prayer. And he fasts and prays. Many days, actually, it says. And it comes to pass. Is it as many days? Yeah. Verse 4. So I wept. I sat down. Look at verse 4. I heard these words. I sat down. I wept and I mourned for many days. Everybody say many days. Okay, chapter 2, this is the thing I've never seen before. Are you all listening? Okay. We can see that it's the 12th year, but apparently it's a different month, the month of Nisan. What is the month of Nisan? It's the seventh month. He gets a burden. He sits down. Oh, God, he prays and he fasts many days. How many days? Four months, man. Four months of fasting and praying. A lot of people want to see the power God put on display, but they're not willing to fast and pray. They're not willing to put their face down to it and really give themselves to the burden, to the vision. I mean, the man fasts and prays for four months. I've never seen that. And you go and read the rest of this, and, and we're going to look at it. He's like, he walks in, and he's like, bam, favor. The king's with him. What's going on? Ooh, can we have some letters? I want to go back. No problem. Four months of intercession go into his breakthrough. I mean, you pray like three days, and you think that you should, you know, that the sun should stop and stuff. Praise for success. He's granted success. You know, you have to soak, you have to soak your vision, soak your desire in prayer. It's a beautiful thing I see happening here every morning. And I, I, I so missed morning prayer. I was down for three weeks. It was brutal. But here I am to ram that, my testimony down the devil's throat. And I missed prayer for like three plus weeks. Actually, I think it was longer because I took a trip and went to and had revival in California. And I missed prayer for all that time. So now I'm back in prayer this week. And it was so refreshing to see people coming and, and praying and contending and, and fighting. And my brother John is on in the morning, and he's praying with us in California. And different ones are on praying all around the world. Some listen to it later. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. And there is a, an easel over here with the hope, with the vision of a church plant for Indonesia and for Amsterdam. And uh, Mike and Kathy Chewy are spearheading the Amsterdam hope and dream and vision. And we are with them wholeheartedly. And they've been there every morning. I think it was over here. No, it's over here. But they were, they were there this morning. And they're beginning to pray at the end of 8 o'clock when we close our corporate time of prayer. There they are. Oh, God, come on, God. And there was more people there than there were before. I'm telling you, if God's going to bring about the vision, the dream, the burden that you have, you have to soak it in prayer. It doesn't just happen. Are you guys getting anything? Are you calling me to a four-month fasting and prayer? Yes, I am. No, I, I obey the Lord. I'm just saying it wasn't like a day. It wasn't like a cute three-day fast. Not that, Listen, three-day fasts sometimes bring miracles. Three-day fasts are powerful. Come on. Three days, Jesus got up. Hallelujah. There's three-day fast, seven-day fast, 21-day fast. There's 40-day fast. 
Now, it doesn't say that he didn't eat anything for, for four months, but it does say. It doesn't report the breakthrough until four months later, which means what do you think he's doing? He's doing his job. He's fasting. He's praying. He's asking for favor. Then he goes to the king. Some of you want to run right in. Be like, I've got an Esther anointing. And you get decapitated. You should have prayed and soaked a little bit more, I think. You still stunk. You should have soaked a little bit in those. Okay, that's another message, really. He knew what he wanted to do, and he moved quickly. Oh, I'm sorry, four. He prayed at every juncture. Now, we, we looked at, ver, at chapter six. Uh, but it's all through the book of Nehemiah. He has trouble. He has obstacles. And I'm going to point out three different tactics that the devil has here in just a moment. And how he overcomes all of those. It's, he's always praying. He's always like, oh, God. Oh, God, strengthen our hands. Oh, God, give me wisdom. Oh, God, Lord, you said. Oh, God. And he's constantly crying out to God. So he prayed at every juncture. You know what we need to do? We need to pray at every juncture. He knew what he wanted to do, and he moved quickly. And the other thing about him taking four months is that when the king asked him, What's what's wrong with your face? I mean, that's kind of what the king says. What's wrong with your face? I've never seen you. Like, what's wrong with you? And he and he shares, and the king basically grabs him favor, and he knows what he wants. He asks for letters. He asks for this. He asks for this. He already made a plan in prayer. I think God gave him a plan, and so that there he is before the king, and the king's like, "Well, what do you want? Well, now that you asked." Um, Here's what I want. Because he's like, he's got a strategy. Many people go off half cocked. That's a, you know what that means? It's a, it's a, it's a word for, for, not, uh, for a, a, a firing pin not hitting the, hitting the charge right. So it's instead of he prays and he comes with a strategy. He knew what he wanted to do. He moved quickly. And that strategy is used in riding this beast of burden around, surveying the wall at night. Very interesting. He's undercover. You know, I, uh, I was so blessed um, being with Dr. Barranco. And um, I, I don't think he'd mind me sharing this, but I, I spent four or five days, with, four days with him uh, at this conference. And um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, Preachers and people that want to be in the limelight. And I, I think I've probably had that desire too. It's, it's faded. And, I, and that's being honest. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind just God blowing things up or go on TV and just reach more people. But, but I, I get a little concerned about ego because we all battle it. And, I, and the Lord rebuked me years ago and told me, uh, it, was, it was about this going to Washington thing, some of you might remember. I was going to Washington, and I had these words, I'm going to go lead Obama to the President, Obama to the Lord, and there's going to be this great move of God, and I was going to connect with senators, and God was going to do this thing, and, why, and that might happen. I, I think, actually, maybe that's a word for the Lord, maybe for later, but in this season, I'm just going to go for the glory of God. And I just kept saying, man, oh, for the glory of God, amen. And I'm, I'm going, I'm like going to book my plane ticket, and while I'm typing in my credit card to buy the plane ticket, I was going to be an armor bearer for the largest, you know, I mean, what was it, um, John Hagee's ministry. And, and I, some of you might not know what that means. It's the largest television ministry in the world. A little old bald head pastor go to D.C. And, yeah. and the Lord's like, you're not going. It's a long story short, but he says, you're not going. I'm like, well, why not? And I heard him say, all for the glory, all for the glory of God, right, son? And I thought, just a little for me, though, you know, Lord. 
No, he was rebuking me. Is it all for the glory? Is it all for the glory of God? And I mean, you know when God asks you a question, don't try to lie. Because that's bad. I'm like, maybe it's not all for you. He says, you have ambition. You have a worldly ambition and an overlay of ministry. You're not going. I thought, what a rebuke. I'd said things. I'm, 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 I'm rabbit trailed now, but I feel the Holy Ghost. I've said things like if I have to pastor a church of 100 people, then I'm just going to go sell cars or something else. Because I, What kind of an arrogant? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're laughing at me. What's your, what's your issue? I had an overlay of ambition on, on, on ministry. And the Lord said, you're not going because you're not right. And he showed me stuff. He showed me how ambition and drive and fervor to promote myself and different things. Just showed me flash pictures one four-hour period on the floor. Went through a box of tissues and God took me apart on my birthday. And so many miracles came out of that. I remember calling Dr. Morocco and said, I can't go with you to Washington, D.C. He said, why not? I said, because the Lord won't let me go. He told me that I have ambition and my heart's not right. He said, well, you better repent stay home. I said, okay, Doc. John Hagee's ministry was like when I told them, I'll never forget that. Uh, yeah, I can't come. Is everything okay, Pastor? Uh, yes, everything's okay. But you can't come. That, that's right, I, I can't come. Just silence, like... You're the stupidest small pastor I've ever met in my life. I just wanted to say that you can stay in your smalldom and, uh, you know, I mean, that's what I was sort of hearing. I'm sure that wasn't in their heart. I was talking with Dr. Morocco, and he says this to me just four days ago because there's, there's all these massive ministries, and to know Dr. Morocco on the level of anointing and his teaching and preaching and this mantle that's on him is just amazing. I'm like, can't we get this out into the world somewhere? Can't we market you a little better? Because so many people are being robbed from the power of God upon you in this amazing apostolic gift. And he said, Daniel, I have zero desire to be in the limelight. I'm fine with flying under the radar. That's where God's got me, and I'm fine with that. And I thought, oh, I think I'm going to lay hands on myself again. Jesus help me. <laughs> Nehemiah went and looked. Some of you want to blow your trumpet and do the thing. Nehemiah, in secret, went around and surveyed things. He didn't tell everybody. He didn't light it up on Facebook, for God's sake. He, he went around, and he looked, and he surveyed the walls, and he made a strategy without telling everybody. Some of you have blown your cover, and God's trying to do something, but you just were, well, we better move on. He didn't let opposition stop him. He didn't let opposition stop him. There's three ways that the devil moves in the book of Nehemiah that he'll move in your life the same way. So watch out. When you get a burden, you get a vision, you'll have these three things happen to you. These will happen. So when they happen, let it encourage you that you've got a vision or a dream or a burden from the Lord. All right? Number one, mocking and ridicule. You'll have people like, seriously? <laughs> I had a banker laugh at me. And as, as, we're, as we're looking for funding and we have we have nothing but like the land, which is a miracle, but we need money to build the building. We don't have any of that. We had a million-dollar miracle to get the land. Now, how are we going to build our building? So I go, and I'm talking to a banker, 
And I show him everything, and he says, how big is it? I said, well, it's going to hold about 1,200 people. whole thing is about 73,000 square feet. And he just kicks back in his chair. He goes, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Probably didn't quite sound like that, but he laughed like he had to take a break. And while he's laughing, I'm thinking, meeting over. And uh, he says to me, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. You will never be able to build that building in this town. I stood up and said, well, I want to thank you for your time. I shook his hand and I said, we'll build it. Thanks. He said, no, you won't. I said, no, yeah, we will. And then he's a believer. He wasn't rude at that point. He said, well, <laughs> I said, okay. Well, I'm going to give him a VIP ticket. I'm not going to do that. I want to put him right in the front and be like, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord. Hey. And it's all paid off. You have a mortgage burning. And just be like. But that would be the flesh. Mocking and ridicule, you'll see in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox coming up on it would break down their stupid little wall of stones. He mocks them. I, I added some emphasis there, stupid and little. Those were my words. But he mocks them. He mocks them. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> a fox would knock down your wall. You guys don't know anything. By the way, I went back and I saw the wall still there thousands of years later. Mocking and ridicule is one of the tactics the devil will use to shut you up and to keep you from filling your dream and your vision. The second thing is he'll raise up false prophets. He'll raise up, he'll raise up fake news. You see this in Nehemiah 6, and for the sake of time, you go and look at it, and you see how they bring this false report, and they, they, bring, they bring a lying spirit. They lie. I love verse 11. Well, i, I got to look at this here. Turn to Nehemiah 6. Well, there's this false word, Sanballat. That's if you have a Filipino accent. Sanballat. In verse 6. And here's this false word. Basically saying, oh, you're gonna, you were trying to become king. You're rebelling. You know, and, and on and on and on. Verse 8. Without reading the false word. Verse 8. Then I said to him, saying, no such thing as you are saying has been done but you invent them from your own heart. For they're all trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. You will never be able to build it. Even a fox can knock it down. 
Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. I love that. I love the prayer to say opposite of what the devil said to you. I want to tell you, I love ramming that right down the devil's throat. Oh, you ain't ever going to be over that sickness. I'm not only going to be over it, I'm going to live to 120, preach, pray, and prophesy. I'm not only going to walk in divine healing, but, but I'm, going to, I'm going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Not only will, I, will we see the building built, it's going to be done. God, strengthen our hands and bring all the provision. Oh, strengthen. Strengthen my hands, oh God. Say that. Strengthen my hands, oh God. To do the vision, to, to, to see the burden come to pass. Strengthen. You can't do it. You're not. I can do all things through Christ. You're a woman. I can do all things through Christ. God calls women. God calls men. God releases his power. Come on. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll walk and they will not faint. I will say of the Lord, he's my rock and my refuge, my God in whom I trust. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my strong tower. The one who called me will fulfill what he called me to do as I yield to him, as I pray, as I cry out, as I stay in a place of brokenness and transparency and humility by his grace. He will fulfill the plan. He will build the wall. He will release revival in America. Can you say amen? Man, I preach myself happy. That's not even the part I really love. Look, 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 look for it for a second. Come on, let's have a praise break. Just lift your hands to heaven. Woo! Friday night. I mean, they're going to kill him. They're trying to kill him. And they're saying, oh, just come to the house of God. Just come and do this. Verse 11. I love this Nehemiah guy. And I said, should a man such as me flee? <laughs> Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me right now? Do you think, can the mountain bow to the wind? Go ahead, answer the question, can, should the mountain, can a mountain bow to wind? The answer is no. I know who I am, and I know whom I serve, and I belong to him, the one who called me to do it, I take my orders from him. Should a man such as me with my identity, my blood bought right and power and dominion and authority, should a man such as me leave? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to just worship for a second, I'll be right back. Yes, God. I love that. He knows who he is. He knows who's on his side. Do you? Do you know who you are? Do you know what you could do? All things. Pastor Karen's praying feverishly for me now. Lies and intimidation. You'll see this throughout the whole book, but, well, not the whole book. There's a revival happens at the end, which is amazing. Chapter 2, verse 20, there's lies and intimidation. He overcame. Everybody say he overcame. He overcame. This is spiritual warfare. You can overcome the attacks of the enemy. You can overcome the intimidation, the lies, and the false prophets. You can overcome. How? The same way that he did. How did he overcome? He persevered in the work and in prayer. He persevered. Perseverance is an aspect of faith. Some of you throw the towel in right before you have the breakthrough. 
Come on, someone say I'm going to persevere. James talks about that, perseverance. Faith, confident assurance. B is faith. He overcame by faith, by confident assurance of what he could not see. He overcame by the word of the Lord. He overcame and he knew what was in his heart. He knew what God called him to do. He overcame by faith. He was in agreement by being in agreement. I thank God for the agreement that I have in my life. I thank God for a church that's in agreement. I thank God for the power of God and people that pray and people that will fast and people that will contend. I thank God for without agreement. You're, you're finished. You must walk in unity. If you're going to fulfill the dream, fulfill the burden, you've got to have agreement. You've got to be in agreement with God's word. I mean, it's a whole message. It could go on and on and on. Got to be agreement with God's word. You you got to be in agreement with people. You got with people that are serving and and yoked with you. You got to be in agreement. You got to be in agreement. Come on, somebody say I'm gonna be in agreement. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Agreement with God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with a company of people. And that's what Nehemiah was over and over, over and over. He persevered in the work and prayer. He persevered. He pray, He had faith. He was in agreement. By being in agreement, he was able to overcome by being prepared to fight. Now, I didn't read this, but it's a great passage where these, he places families on the wall with, with one hand on a sword, on a weapon, and another, and another hand on a, on a trowel, if you could just see it that way, working. To, so, so literally, they were built and they were fighting. It's a perfect picture of spiritual warfare. It's exactly what you have to do. You have to contend. You have to, like Shama, take that sword, man, and stand in the middle of that lentil field. And if it means death, so be it. But at least you're going to contend for what God called you to do. And you're not going to be yield to intimidation or being outnumbered or not having enough money. God will give you a burden, and you must contend for that thing. you got to fight for it. you got to fight. Be prepared to fight. When families are in agreement and they're fighting together. You know, one of the great miracles that's happened for us is that my brother Chris got saved. He's on the front row. How many years did we pray? Many. And it wasn't one of those crocodile type salvations. I mean, that boy is different. I'm really proud of him. Something changed in my home and in my heart, in our family. Now there's still a few more that are yet to come, but I'm going to tell you something. It's powerful when a family prays and agrees. Get in agreement with your family. Family is important. You can't take any, you can't take your Harley with you. Relationships are the only thing that you can take with you. There will come restoration. I prophesy it again. I've done it over and over. I prophesy again to you, my beloved brother and sister, there will come restoration to your home. It's ever so close. Continue to pray. Be sensitive to the ear of the Lord, to the voice of the Lord. Open your ears to him. There's some unique things he wants you to do. Revisit it. It might be to call and apologize or repent again for the 100th time. In fact, my, my, my brother Chris said this. You know, I just keep repenting until the person heard me. I think that's a word from the Lord for you. And I don't, I don't understand. I don't know anything, but there's rest. I do know. I know a couple things. <laughs> I know that God is bringing restoration to you. Can you say amen? Come on, Nehemiah. Come on, Nehemiah. Give a big amen to the Lord. Amen. 
He did things right and just. He gave sacrificially. I mean, of his time, of his talent, his treasure, he gave sacrificially. What happened in this, with this man who was an agent of change? What happened is that the project was, the wall was built in 52 days, which is a major miracle. I mean, when you go there and you look at this thing, we're talking huge. It's as wide as, and I'm guessing, but from what I remember, it's, it's as wide as maybe half of the sanctuary. A little bit less. You can look at it. I mean, come on, 52 days all the way around, all the way around. 52 days, miracle. You know, if, you, if we will just be like Nehemiah, we'll see 52-day type miracles. And a great revival breaks out. And I've preached on the revival that broke out. He, there's a number of things that takes place for the changing of the culture. They had not tied. They were intermarried. There was all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and through the intermarriage, uh, they, the children weren't learning Hebrew, so they couldn't learn the word. It's a picture of what's happened in America. I'm not talking about racial stuff. I'm just talking about coming away from God's word and that which is right, defined by Scripture, not by people's opinion, not by, not by humanistic thinking and what people define as what they feel like should be right and wrong. You're in a battle to fulfill the vision and the dream that God has given you. Do what Nehemiah did. Just do what Nehemiah did. The wind of the Spirit blows wherever he so chooses. And as the wind of the Spirit blows and fills the sail, God puts things together, and so oftentimes we don't understand that while he's doing that. It was for that season. Tacking is a sailing term where you would, where you, you it's, it's a, a, a technique for going against the wind. So you would go against the wind ever so slightly, and then it's kind of like you shift. The wind's coming this direction. You, you, you shave that off. And you've got a head direct, directly in the wind. You shave that off by tacking. You come back. And with each tack, you're, you're moving closer and closer to the direction that you're going. I found in my life, now this is, this is a word of knowledge for someone. I found in my life that as the wind of God was moving and moving me, he would want me to change directions. And as I changed directions, I'd, I'd move. And, and sometimes I felt apologetic because I had to, well, why, why, why are you shifting now? You have to obey God. You have to obey the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about being flighty. I'm, being, I'm talking about being committed and faithful and loyal, first and foremost to God. And he'll confirm that through others. He'll confirm that through prophets, through his word. You belong to the Lord. And as you, as you allow for the hoil of heaven to fill your sail, I found him doing things in my life that, that couldn't have been done any other way. I, I wanted to be here. He's like, no, you're going over here first. And lots of examples in Scripture. Paul wanted to go to have revival in Ephesus, but God said, no, you're going, you're going over there. Well, I don't want to go to Alaska. 
I'm going to go over here. Like, no, you're going over there. And then you're there and it carries you through that season and shows you things and works on you and heals you of trauma, heals you of brokenness, equips you. And before you know, before you know it, he says, now you can go to Malibu. Now, now go this way. Now go this way. Now, I don't know for sure that's the Lord, but I'm just saying. He's got you in places for seasons. And the seasons in the place that you are also change. And this is for a number of people. It's 8.30. And there's nothing on TV. The wind of change is coming. The wind of change is coming. I'm going to answer. This is, I'm, I'm prophesying. Can you just sing a little something in the spirit and just play? I'm going to go deep and lose myself for a second. If I fall out, Pastor Vince, you're in charge. Lift your hands. We worship you, And the and That's it. That's it, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord says, I'm bringing correction, I'm bringing strength. And redirection. I'm realigning and reassigning. I'm causing the wind to blow adversity with victory. And I'm causing the very desire of your heart, illuminating it, to so become stronger and stronger. In your mind, in your renewed mind, with Scripture, you have dismissed things. Dismiss the drawing for a number of different fears and reasons and been able to ration that. But now the burden and the vision comes to the next level. The burden and the vision comes. An increase of weight, an increase of the wind of my spirit. And it will consume your thoughts. Consumes too strong a word. It will be more and more prevalent in your thoughts than it has ever been before. The, the still small voice of my spirit. I'm going to confirm it to you again and again and again. And you will then shift and make the move and make the change. And you'll find yourself flat in the middle of the power of God, the presence of God, the will of God. You desire to obey. I'm so pleased by that. Because of the tension and the war, because of the, the smoke of the white hot battle, it's been hard to see, but the smoke is clearing, things are clearing. Dilly off shall I lawyer? Do from ma 
You know what's crazy? I'm going to stop my own tongue and then I'll go back into it. Been teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Been thinking about it, praying about it. I don't usually prophesy. You don't usually give a message in tongues. Not usually, occasionally. But I know this is because I've just been pressing a little bit. So here it is. And I'll allow for the interpretation to come from anybody that has it. If you don't, I will give it. You have 30 seconds. strengthen you and I will heal you of all your backsliding and I'll put my spirit in you and take out the heart of flesh, the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh you will know that I am the Lord answer the call since we've been teaching on the gifts in the middle of the day there's a quality about it. There's a quality about, thank you. There's a quality about the Holy Spirit. Felix, Felix like moves you, something swirls. Like, ooh, ooh. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Brother Toby, sing something about the call and God's purpose or Stand up on your feet all across this place. Hallelujah, Lord, you called us. You called my name. You called me before I was born. And knit you together. You called my name. While you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. With your hands stretched out to me you called my name Jesus here I am <laughs> Lord here I am I'll answer your call I'll go I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Cause you called my name. 
right with God. This service is concluding. If you're not right with Him, don't leave this place in that condition. There's a hell to spurn and a heaven to gain. If you've never given your heart to Jesus and you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to Him all across this place, those online, you say, that's me. Then won't you pray this prayer right out loud? Say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. I used to serve Him, but I've, I've wandered away. I want to come home tonight. Or you've never given your heart to Jesus. Online, here in the sanctuary. Pray this with me. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for hearing my prayer. And Lord, I say yes to your vision, to your dream, to the burden. Send me. Give me a hunger for your word, a hunger for the things of the Spirit of God. Baptize me afresh. Use me. Send me to be your hands extended. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Come on, just tell him. Say, send me. Send me, Lord. Oh, God. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord God Almighty. Send me, Lord. 
Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord, God. Send me, Lord, God. Woo! What a powerful service. Be in Nehemiah. Rebuild the walls of your life. Rebuild the walls of our nation. Let the burden that he's written upon your heart. Follow it. Let it lead you. Soak it in prayer. Let the oil of heaven, the power of God, the power of his spirit fill your sail. Move to the place that he's called you. And watch and see what he'll do. Now, moving to the place that he called you might not be leaving your house and stuff. Understand it's a thing in the spirit, but it also might be leaving your house. You know, it's like you got to go where God wants you to go. Do what he wants you to do. Say what he wants you to say. Did you get something? Spiritual warfare. You overcome exactly like, come on, I'm going to be an agent of change. Come on, say it. I am an agent of change. Can you say it again? I am an agent of change. That's what Nehemiah was. He's a revivalist. He's calling you. Nehemiah ets and Nehemiahs. Be used by the Lord. Let's change our culture. Let's change families. Rebuild the wall. Have a great revival. Can you say amen? All right. I'm going to close in prayer, but be mindful not to run around hugging everybody. We're not doing that in this service. you got to get your mask on and put mine on. Again, if we did some things that maybe need to be corrected, talk to uh, Pastor Kirsten. He'll repent to you. And then also, <laughs> and we'll adjust that and we'll fix it, okay? And uh, we'll let you know when the next, uh, next week is Thanksgiving and we found many people. Yep. We've had many people who are like going to be gone or away. And so we just felt like, well, we're not going to do next Friday. You enjoy your family. And, and for those of you that are, I hope you enjoyed the service. Was this helpful to some of you? And I know some that wanted to come. Praise God. The last thing in the world I'd want to do is exclude people. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a curvy road we're trying to navigate. And I'm sure grateful for your prayers for me and for my amazing staff. And for thank you for your mercy and your patience. We're doing the best we can. That's all you can do. You know, you can't how many of you know you can't do what you can't do? You just wrestle and agonize over certain things. But I'm so blessed to be with you tonight. That's a word I will not preach this weekend. It's isolated to this service. It was for you. And it was for me. What a powerful time in God's scripture. Come on. Somebody say hallelujah. All right. So be sure to wear your mask. You can high-five each other. The social distance, please. All of that. If you want to head out the front doors to create a greater barrier, you certainly can. Watch out for the ice. All right. Would you stop off at formal members? I need you to see Pastor Kirsten, all right? Formal members and, um, and uh, minister uh, Tammy Choir at the desk there. If you prayed to receive Jesus, stop, and they'll give you some resources to grow in the things of God. Uh, I need you to vote. I need you to register. I need you to be aware of what's taking place, and they'll let you know how to do that, and I think we might have some electronic means too. You ready? Let me bless you and put my mask back on. May, may the Lord bless you. He causes space. Oh, God. He causes space to shine upon you. May He lift up His countenance towards you, be gracious to you, keep you, and give you peace. Heal Pastor Phil Morocco. Heal every person under the bondage of this COVID-19 and the effects thereof. In the name of Jesus, touch all our frontline workers and touch all of our military people. Lord, release your healing power upon those who uh, struggle with uh, immune 
system challenges. In the name of Jesus, bless your people that turned out tonight at our care service and use us to be agents of change in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.